wanna fetch out. I don't give a damn what you're talking about. I just wanna waste some time. I just wanna waste my mind. I wanna fetch out. I don't give a damn what you're talking about. I just wanna waste some time. I just wanna waste my mind. We can turn up or turn down. Smoke a couple blunts in the morning. It's your boy be my on the finale. I ain't trying to rhyme, I got something. Uh, you said that you need a week off. Be more here to get your stress off. I just want to waste some time. I just want to waste my mind. Uh, woo, I want to fetch out. I don't give a damn what you're talking about. I just want to waste some time. I just want to waste my mind. Uh, Good morning, folks. We're over on Insta we're over on YouTube. You know what it is. Finale time. Come on, sweetheart. Let's start the show. I'm ready. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday and Thursday, 8 a.m. Mish. It's the finale, so you better watch in this bitch. Ah. Wake and make we be more ba Lady of the house, sweetheart. What's you know what time, you know what today is, right? Mm -hmm. It is the finale, season four finale of Wake and Bake with BMO. Good morning all to the people. I want to make sure we're sending a special shout out. You know what? Before we even get started, I want to make sure I'm saying good morning to the 48 episodes of my season, okay? To the silk cap of my protective style, okay? To the shower curtain that diffuse. Well, I don't like that. I don't know if you, do you diffuse my light? No. To the amplifier that powers my light. Good morning to the lady of the house. Good morning, sweetheart. Hey, sweetheart. How you feeling? You know. I know. I well, do know. We, yeah. talk. we have been talking since like 5 o'clock this morning. I do. Mm -hmm. I do have an idea of how you're feeling this morning. I do want to give a reminder to the people who are on Instagram who are excited about the season finale of Wake and Bake with BMO. Come on over to YouTube, okay? The link is in the bio. Just search B BMO. We're going to have a great show this morning. Before we get started, I want to make sure we give a special shout out to the Washington and former bridge, WIBridgeDC.com or at WIBridgeDC on all your social media channels, okay? This is your chance to stay in tune and aware of the happenings of what's going on from blackness through blackness to blackness which is exactly what the show does so we appreciate you washington and former bridge thank you to lafayette and the crew over there it's been another lovely season season four of wake and bake with bmo being a part of this network as i'm the only person on this network but you know uh, um being a part of this network is really uh, it is really great it's really great to be a part of this legacy black media cycle i'm so excited to 
continue our relationship as we go into season five. So thank you to the Washington and former bridge. Also want to give a huge shout out to the tell her this podcast. Make sure y'all go to tell her this pod.com or at tell her this pod on all social media platforms. Make sure you tell my girl Rochelle who's doing uh, some performances at, Oh Lord. One of them theaters where the musicians, musicians be at. Okay. It's a signature theater. No, one of them joints. Y'all go find Rochelle on Instagram. Sweetheart, if you don't mind, let's play a little clip of the Tell Her This podcast before we get more into this morning's final topics of season four. And there will be times where people know, like people within a family know I'm right, but no one will stand up for me. And at the end of the day, it's just like, they showed up like they always do anyway. Disappointing. That really definitely hurt really bad. You know, I want your family to fight for you. I did. I thought that maybe somebody would. I will never lie about that. And that's what hurt. They did not. They did not. They never do. You're listening to the Tell Her This podcast, a storytelling podcast for women. Available now on all podcast platforms. Rochelle, Rochelle, we appreciate you for uh, allowing us to show this clip over on on our show, Wake and Bake with Bimo. I think it's so important to hear the stories of women firsthand so you can know what the fuck going on with this other gender. I mean, you'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised the lack of support and love that black women... Actually, you shouldn't be surprised about the lack of love and support that black women feel, but that's if you've been paying attention. If you haven't been paying attention, make sure you go to Tell Her This, the podcast. Also, before we get started, I want to make sure y'all go over to the New Blueprint newsletter as we get, as we get ready to take a, a season break, and I promise you this season break will not be eight months like the last season break, but as we get ready to take our next season break, uh, I just want to direct people to the newsletter because there will be a lot of writings and machinations that are happening over there. I'm kind of excited about it to transfer this particular meeting of using my mouth over to using my hands, and I'm very excited about it. In the King community, I think that would be a downgrade. But in this community, I am very excited to get over to the new Blueprint newsletter. If you need the link, the link is on the screen right now, or bmobrown.substack.com. It is $5 a month. If you need the scholarship, just let a nigga know. It's not that deep. I'd rather you know than you give me $5, okay? We get to a point that maybe I don't even need the $5. Is that the capitalism me that want to keep the five dollars up there? Anyway, sweetheart, we got some great topics this morning. We got all the shout outs out of the way? Yeah, I think so. It's your new blueprints. Tell her this podcast. Is this the season four finale of Wake and Bake with BMO? We do have some interesting topics this morning. Oh, we got um Channel 22 in the house that said you're and Natalie said grand finale BMO and Lady of the House. Oh, we got some comments from the people. Yeah. Okay. Are they saying good morning on the finale though? No, I'm they're just not saying. At you. <laughs> huh? They're not saying good morning. Not yet. It's okay. How, this is four seasons. This is the completion of season four. There's been one consistent rule here: say good morning to the lady of the house. What's what's understood? That gotta be explained. I don't know. <laughs> so can you? Um, uh, I think that's Nico. He said that's what the year mean, bro. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a collective. I got it. I feel it. Got I'm you. with it. I meet you in context. We there. We have some great. Um, we have some great topics we want to talk about this morning. Uh, this morning we want to pull as it's a season four finale. I want to talk about some of these topics that we didn't get to this season, but I also want to take this time to uh, 
I want to bring you in on some corrective thoughts that I've had. Okay. I might have been, not might, I've been wrong about a few things. And on the new Blueprint newsletter, we're going to take this a little bit further, but uh, I have some reflections about season four that I want to get off, um, which includes the lessons from the Osage, the people from the Killer of the Flower Moon, our good man Jeremiah Wright, uh, and of course Mace and Dwight Howard. We're going to talk about those things. But before we even get there, Lady of the House, Sweetheart, do we have a black fact? Uh, let's see. If not, I could just read some stats from season four. Yeah, I got it. Okay, for sure. Lady of the House is going to hit us with a black fact because, you know, it's uh, as much as we like to hypothesize and build new blueprints about what's going on in black culture, around black culture, through the execution of black culture, it is also important to be steeped in history and facts. So we have a book here. Uh, Lady of the House is going to read us some A black fact. Go ahead, sweetheart. I'm ready. I'm a little torn between two, but I'll go. Because I'm this torn one. in between the two. Because I really want to be with you. Go ahead. Sorry, sweetheart. Uh, should, I, should I just pick one? Or? You know, I don't believe in the binary. You do it to one. Okay, I'll do two. Okay. Okay. The first one is the Negro was the first artist. The oldest drawings and carvings yet discovered were executed by the Negro peoples over 15,000 years ago in southern France, northern Spain, Palestine, South Africa, and India. Really? Yeah. The, oh, okay. I'm the drawings sure. are on rocks, the carvings on bone, basalt, and ivory. Okay. And then second one is the oldest known representation of the human body is that of a Negro woman. It was carved by a, a Negro sculptor of Grimaldi race from 10,000 to 15,000 years ago. It is called the Venus of Willendorf after the place in Austria where it was found, and it is in the Vienna Museum. So what I heard you just say right now is that niggas have been the originators of art and the original muses of art. Yeah. What the fuck is white people doing? <laughs> <laughs> what the white people? Oh, building nations that don't exist and they're trying to take people out of their land. Anyway, um, we're going to get to that this morning. Thank you, sweetheart, for that amazing black fact. I think it is one of the things that we've been pulling on from season four is this idea of the aesthetic philosophy, which is the idea that there is a, in art, there is a separation between form and function and that separation between form and function and the value of form over function is actually a result of whiteness as a way that we can infuse more capital into a system. Because if I can say to you, sweetheart, you draw me a picture, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You draw me a picture and it's a picture of your grand aunt. Right. Yeah. And if I say to you, uh, the way that you drew this picture, uh, how you were touched from the heavens to use the methods of artistry and, and paint brushing to put this on the paper, I can then convince another foolish motherfucker that the Lord influenced you to draw this picture instead of you just trying to take, make homage of your aunt, right. right? People are valuing form over function. And in African diaspora cultures, especially in cultures of the currently oppressed, we value function way more. Give me a gold fork rather than just a gold raw nugget. You know what I mean? I'd rather eat with my gold, didn't melt it down and make my own money, do what the fuck I want with it. Cause I want form and function. So when you tell me, that Negroes, black folks, melanated people have been the origins of art making and also the origins of muse making. What have white people been doing? <laughs> you know, I have, I have really tried to study. I try to figure out what is something that white people invented. This is the one thing I figured out, what? the hamburger. Oh, really? <laughs> That's the one, th- the hamburger, <laughs> colonialism, imperialism, oppression, marginalization, Capitalism. cattle slavery, Oh, they said the Egyptians came up with uh, with capitalism. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, 
These are the things. But an actual physical thing, the hamburger. That's all I got. Wow. The hamburger and what's the little towel that you can squeeze? Uh, <laughs> what's it called? You know what I mean? The little yellow towel that you can squeeze and wash your car. Those are the two things that I figured out white people have invented on their own. Well. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> huh? That's it. They ain't make paper. They ain't make art. They ain't make bad bitches. They ain't make house party. They ain't make Marlon Wayans. They ain't do nothing great. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart, for that. That's, for that how, black we started. That's how we started. That's how we started this one. It's the season four finale. All right? I want to fetch out. I don't give a damn what you're talking about. I got my velvet on, goddammit. We got some comments. I got my velvet and my new chain. Hair long, singing. Uh, oh, what's up, people on Instagram? I see y'all. Good morning. Make sure y'all come on over to the YouTube, okay? We want you to see the whole face. I want you to see all the velvet. Good morning, Kaylee. I see you over there. Nicholas Gaines. I see you, baby. It's actually our anniversary, ain't it? Let's talk, bro, anniversary. What's up? Uh, Mitch's library said he got the first $1,000 for the BMO for Mayor DC campaign. They ain't ready for me. Mm. <laughs> they ain't ready for me. I'm smoking blunts at the debate. <laughs> what? Mm -hmm. I'm rolling up during the debate. I'm on one this morning. We got some comments, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> it's the season four finale. I'm giving the people everything I got left. This is it. This is it. Uh, <laughs> Nico said, we call in the first sculptor of a black woman, Venus, is crazy. <laughs> crazy. Rochelle said, that ain't her name. <laughs> no. I know damn well that ain't her name. No. Uh, Rochelle said, good morning, Lady of the House and BMO. Hey, Rochelle. Oh, Rochelle, hey. Chris Allen also said, good morning. Come on. Hey. I'm talking, getting out. <laughs> I wonder if I will. <laughs> Uh, on Moss Media, that's that's Owen. That's what Owen, up, right? Owen? Yeah. Good morning, man. He said, "Velvet for the finale." Peace and greetings, family. Hey, <laughs> it's the finale, baby. And then Nico said, "And we taught them how to wash things." That's crazy. So, chicken or egg? Wait, what you mean? That's if, what Nico said. If we taught them how to wash, is Nico saying they would have never got to the hamburger if we didn't <laughs> teach them how to wash things? I agree with you, Nico. I retract the hamburger statement, Dan. Maybe hamburger help. You know what we just found out, though, sweetheart? Listen. Betty Crocker's not a real person. Yeah. It was a contest. Betty Crocker <laughs> is the is the outcome of a national contest and I in 1920, and I bet your bottom dollar that Betty Crocker was created out of the need to create a white aesthetic of Aunt Jemima. Tell me I'm wrong. Mm -mm. Uh, <laughs> I was saying, uh, <laughs> I'm up today. Go ahead. A chamois or it says a yeah, the chamois. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But, well, damn, that's what Nico's saying. We taught them to wash things, and then they created the chamois, not the hamburger. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hamburger's back on the list. Kendall said, "Good morning, beautiful people. Season four finale. Let's go. Let's go. Hey. Season four finale, baby." Micah said, good morning, y'all. Did white people invent velvet? Hey, no. <laughs> Hell no. Velvet is a black word. And, and if you prove me wrong, I'm going to prove you wrong back. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm just going to pick some shit up. You know you niggas wrong, made okay. velvet. And if niggas didn't make velvet, then niggas made velvet. You feel what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The velvet might have been created. Wasn't nobody wearing no damn velvet for real. Probably except the monarchs and shit. But fuck them. I'm not being logical this morning. It's the season four finale. They not? No, it's just on. Okay. Well, it is what it is. 
Speaking of which, mm-hmm. <laughs> you ready to get into some of these topics? Yeah. We're going to riff all day with these comments. I can do that. I can feel like I'm on one this morning. Where do you want to start, sweetheart? This morning we got to, oh, before we even get started, I want to, let's give me some stats real quick. Let me give some stats. In season four, season four has been active for exactly six months. This is the longest season of Wake and Bake with BMO since Wake and Bake with BMO existed. Every season has been about two and a half, three months. And the reason why we're having such an abrupt season four is because y'all can read the, the y'all read the, the the writing on the wall. Shout out to my original artists out there. Y'all see the black writings on the wall? We done missed two thirds of the last shows. <laughs> we tired. We tired. Don't got nothing left. And Baby Daddy Darius is back in the news again. I feel like we started this season with goddamn Baby Daddy Darius, and this nigga back in the news for being trashed again. An evolution of trash. So, you know, we need a little time. We just need some time to breathe and think and create some new blueprints and come up with some some new concepts and, and read some books and watch some movies and go to some museums. Because, uh, you know, it's just not that time, right? Another stat. We have covered, in these six months, we have covered 167 exclusive black topics. 167, sweetheart. I know for a fact. Let me not do that to the people. <laughs> if the national <clears throat> reading level is fourth grade, I could assume that niggas have not read 167 articles over the last six months. Can, can I assume that? Yeah. Have you read 167 articles the last six months? Probably. I read. I read. I you mean, know. Me too, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Oh, We're doing the show though. <laughs> We're doing the show. Maybe the Wake and Bake with Bebo Nights have actually read 167 articles, but right. we have covered 167 black exclusive topics. I only know one other institution who has covered that many black exclusive topics. Well, two now that I think about it. The Washington Former Bridge and Roland Martin. That's the only people I can think <laughs> of who are covering topics on this level. And the Breakfast Club, I guess, but these niggas, man. I'm... Anyway, um, I got another set in here. Oh, over the six months, we have totaled close to 10,000 views in total. That's crazy. Between YouTube, between our very rare Instagram clips. This 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 next season about to be the clip season. Because I ain't put up no clips, sweetheart. The last clip I put up, I think, was when we discovered the we discovered that white was the white N-word. And that was the beginning of the season. That was, yeah. yeah. That was like the fifth week. <laughs> no promises though. Make sure you go to the uh to the substack so you can see those exclusive clips that are happening over there. So it's close to ten thousand views in total. Uh, we have averaged about 250 listens per month. Nice. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you know, uh, in order to be in the top 3% of all podcasts, you just need to average 1,000 listeners per month. So we're like a fourth of the way there. We might be an average podcast now. Shout out to us. Shout out to us. But those are just some of the, the stats that I wanted to share with you about season four. We're going to do a more <laughs> uh, qualitative wrap-up about season four, about some of our shortcomings, some of the things that we desired before and how we're going to launch into season five. Uh, very excited about season five. There will be a season five. And as I told Chris Allen in the DMs yesterday, it will not be an eight-month break between the two seasons. That was ridiculous, but needed at the same time. So who knows? Maybe it'll be a 12-month situation. No, I don't know. Hopefully it'll be a little shorter. It'd be great to come back at the beginning of the year, but we'll see how things um Work out in real time. All right. Sweetheart, we have three topics that I want to discuss. What time we at right now? We've been on 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Mm, should we do a topic and then take a break? 
Yeah. Okay. But also, Rochelle says the season has been phenomenal in so many ways, educating, innovating, being blackity black black, and revolutionary. This podcast is one of the best out there. Oh my shit! Oh my Man. Oh. <laughs> In the crazy. fields, you know. This was not a planned topic. We went to Tallahassee, right? Uh, Tallahassee is one of the was one of my hometowns, and um, while in Tallahassee, I was texting a few friends that we went to high school with, and uh, uh, one of my friends said to me when I moved to Tallahassee, which would have been the second semester of my junior year in high school. I spent a I, I spent a legit three hundred days in Tallahassee as a person because I spent the summers in Myrtle Beach, um, so didn't spend a lot of time there. But in my time there, a friend of mine told me while I was in Tallahassee, just driving around, reminiscing, being on my nostalgic shit. Uh, a friend of mine told me that for her, I introduced race to her on a very real level. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, you know, as black folks, we learn about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. We learned about the struggles of the Jim Crow and slavery, but like uh, the formal school system doesn't prepare us to take those what seems to be nebulous ideas um, and put them into practice on your daily. Like you right now, lady of the house, me, people on the other side of this camera, you are dealing with how to express your blackness in a country that has expressively told you to get that black shit out of here. Um, but oftentimes we don't get taught actually how to use that in real life. So a friend of mine told me that, then a lady in the house followed up and said she I was the blackest person that she knew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so while I appreciate what you said, Rochelle, and I appreciate what my friend said in Tallahassee, and I appreciate the lady of the house, I feel like I owe y'all an apology. Did Morpheus apologize to Neo after taking him to the to the Matrix? So it was just like, get over it, nigga, you free. You think Harriet Tubman apologized to that baby she knocked out to try to escape the plantation? Or was like, nah, nigga, you free now. Are you are you asking me? Yeah, I'm no. legit <laughs> asking you. Like, do you think um uh do you think Jesse Jackson apologized? to the King family for not being outside when Dr. Martin Luther King got shot? Or are they like, oh, we got the Voting Rights Act now? Like, what is the, what is the protocol for introducing you to the trauma that leads to your liberation? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it just... <laughs> is it like I'm doing you a favor <laughs> type thing or I, I don't I don't see it as an apology, you know? I don't I don't know. If I if I'm doing <laughs> let's say the bank was gonna take twenty thousand dollars out your account tomorrow. Would I be doing you a favor if I robbed you today? <laughs> Only if you gave it back. <laughs> <laughs> If I gave you the money back, yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you gave it back. <laughs> <laughs> the bank is taking 20 grand from your account today. I'm robbing you for 20 grand today. <laughs> uh, so I do, I, I do appreciate the comments. That is something that weighs on my heart heavy, though. You know what I mean? Or maybe you don't know what I mean. I feel you, though. But it feels... You, have like, you feel like a responsibility. Yeah, it feels... Yeah. Yeah. 
and we try hard. I, I said this in season zero. Like, we are trying. We are going to try as hard as we can to not put direct trauma onto the show. We didn't even show you when Will slapped Chris, let alone babies getting shot, buildings being blown up, police brutality. We ain't show none of that shit. We can talk about it. I don't want to. I feel like it's not my. It's not right. You know what I mean? It's like when I heard John Oliver, he was covering the Israel Hamas war. The thing he said most in there was, I'm a comedian. He said it like seven times. I don't know if this is appropriate to come from a comedian. And while I'm not a comedian, niggas think I'm funny. And I definitely feel like this particular expression of myself is more entertaining, more uh, uh, introductory, and not necessarily as cerebral and pointed and strategic as like the new Blueprint newsletter or the Brain Trust or some of the other, uh, the Dirty Magazine. Some of those things are a little more cerebral and deep in the situation. So I, you know, uh, I apologize, but nigga, get on the train. Is that how it works? Yeah, uh, Owen said, I'm sorry for doing what it took for you to be free, but you're free now. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, get over seems a little insensitive. I feel like you got to be like, oh, you know, maybe there's some, is there post-liberation counseling? <laughs> it's got to be, right? And then Kendall says, what Rochelle said, this is without a doubt my favorite podcast. Keep going. Y'all don't even know how important the work you're doing is for black people in predominantly white spaces. Loki was a driving force for me standing up to my racist supervisors and going full-time with videography this year. So thank you both. Oh, wow. <laughs> you let them know, Kendall. Wow, that's crazy. We're not fucking having it. You a veteran. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you a black man. You are not going to be disrespectful. No. <laughs> Kendall, oh, is, Kendall is not a real veteran. He's bro. not a veteran. <laughs> He's not a real veteran. But happy Veterans Day, though, Kendall. Right. I should have called you. That's on me. That's on me. My bad. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that you stood up to your boss. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you also had uh, uh, the wherewithal and the resources to fall back onto your own mm-hmm. entrepreneurial spirits. Right. Now, if some niggas out there listening to me right now ready to tell their white boss off and ain't got nothing in line. Yeah. Y'all gonna be part of the eviction story with me. Oh Lord, then change the laws up. I don't know what to do about that. That's why I, that's why I feel a little to quote Loki, I feel burdened by my purpose. Wow. Hence the break. Love this show. Love it. One of my favorite things to do. Hardest thing I gotta do. Man, uh, live broadcasting is hard as fuck. But one Tell of my favorite things to do, huh? Man, this shit hard as a motherfucker. You about to adjust something right now. I thought you about to adjust something right now. Um, but yeah, those are my season four uh, recaps. We're gonna do more on the. Uh, we're gonna do more on the newsletter. I have some other topics that I want to break out. Some things that we didn't talk about. Let's see, what's something we talk, didn't talk about specifically? We didn't this season. There are three things specifically I wanted to talk about that we didn't necessarily get to. I wanted to talk about um, Demar Hamlin. The young mm-hmm. man who died on the field playing football. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about how he woke up and asked, did we win? And the white doctor said, you wanted life. No, bitch, answer my question. Did we win the game? <laughs> I put my life on the line for the game. And you talking about my life. No, nigga, did we win the game? And I wanted to go further into, do black men have the right to risk their own life for their own dreams? 
We didn't get to it though. I wanted to talk about the passport bros of season two. And I wanted to yield that conversation with the passport bros with the theory. I think we might've touched on it, but I think black men and black women should break up. I think the radical new blueprint for solving the relationship politics between black men and black women, specifically straight black men and all of black women, uh, is a breakup. I think we talked about We talked about this? Yeah, we talked about the breakup? Okay. Uh, And then lastly, one thing I want to talk about that we have just kind of like put the rounds on, I want to talk about Richard Pryor and Bernie Mac versus Bill Cosby. Okay. Uh, Late in the house and I, we've been watching the Bernie Mac show, and it dawned on me the last time that we were watching that Bernie Mac, Uncle Bernie, is the exact opposite of Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable. Yeah. Like, these are the exact opposites of patriarchal guardians. And for a long time, Bill Cosby as re- was regarded as America's father because he was clean cut. But it turns out, like with most fathers, he had secrets. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't telling you the whole truth. And actually, it turned out to be quite trash. Right. But then meanwhile, the person who was honest, who was queer, who was vulgar, who was authentic to himself, that was the person that was, you know, uh, labeled explicit, mm-hmm. labeled for adults only, when in actuality... That should have been our father. Richard Pryor and Bernie Mac should have been the father figures that we were looking up to. They weren't perfect. You watch the Bernie Mac show, it's like, why is Bernie treating them kids like that? It's because Bernie's not a parent, and them kids is traumatized. They're not fucking perfect. Richard Pryor wasn't perfect. The things he did to uh, Pam Greer, terrible. But he was honest about them. He told you what he did to Pam Greer. And then Pam Greer corroborated his story. Not 75 women came out of fucking nowhere. And this nigga still denying it. Shut the fuck. Anyway, those were the three topics we wanted to get to this morning. Uh, But let's do this though, sweetheart. I want to come back. I want to come back with the three things that I think I got wrong this season or things that I might have omitted from this season because I was purely wrong about the situation, although we don't particularly believe in right or wrong, but I don't think I had to write thinking process there but let's do this so let's do this sweetheart um you know what i want to hear let's play tone che <laughs> sweetheart let's play tone che michael robinson featuring tashira michael i see you baby uh we're gonna play tone che it is the uh creative project i think this year one of the creative projects this year that i'm most proud of let me just recap yeah definitely for sure shout out to our girl lydia oh hey lil shout out to micah shout out to baki Shout out to Tashira. Shout out to the color yellow and brown. Lady House, you ready? Okay, we're going to play Tone Chain. We're going to play the whole video. We're going to be right back with more Wake and Bake with BMO. Make sure you come back with your blunt manifestations. Get your blunt road, okay? It's season four, y'all. Sometimes. Oh, you just start playing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, sweetheart. Let's start the video.
Fucking song, man. Right? Jesus. <laughs> Every, oh. time. Every time. Every <laughs> time. Every time. I mean, I do like to be on my solitude vibes, mm-hmm. but like every time, man. I have to sing it every time. <laughs> Jeez. I'm so glad these mics ain't on what uh what the song playing. Oh, are they? No. Okay, good. That'd be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me in here, me playing Micah, you playing Tashira. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm saying both. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rochelle said, Tonche is song of the year for me. Excellent. Right? Um, Drew said, good morning. Be my lady of the house. Hey, Drew. What's up, Drew? Kendall said, this song video really is special. Right. You know, as Drew gets on, the song is special. I don't want to invalidate. That's very true. The song is very special to me. But, like, I just thought about something. Natalie on right now? I believe so. Natalie in Africa. She also said it's not morning there, so. Yeah, it ain't. Yeah. What time is it at? <laughs> hey, is the king there? <laughs> um, Drew is in from Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendall coming from Denver. Mm-hmm. Natalie in Africa. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Cadero in California. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, man? Right. Well. What the fuck? And, and, and uh, uh. Micah, and, well, you in Southeast? <laughs> Lord. And we in Highsville. All, and we in Highsville. We all over the world right now, baby. <laughs> um, Drew said, today I'll be coaching a middle school debate team for the first time, and I'm going over our old debate notes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah! <laughs> hey, man. Just don't have a, what's that girl name? Don't have a Rakaya on the team, okay? If somebody got stage fright, find out day one. That's the day of the damn debate. <laughs> <laughs> this young lady, she gonna tell us while we on the stage, sweetheart. They they gave us the topic, and of course it's her turn to do the opening. She gonna lean in first debate. She gonna lean in and be like, "Yo, I have frightening stage fright." I'm like, "We like what? <laughs> what? Oh my god!" And she went up there and gave the wrong debate. She didn't say anything in practice. <laughs> anyway, let's get our blood medicine because I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. I'm still mad about it. I'll put that in the slow stories. Along with the uh, with the step team, with the stroll team, I mean. All right, it's blood manifestation time, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, it's Tuesday. It's a season four finale. That means you're going first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I'm prepared if, if you don't got nothing yet. Oh, I was just going to make something up. Let's see. Um, manifestations. Okay. Great into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, positivity. Mm-hmm. Like the manifest. Safety. Happiness. Abundance. Health. Peace. Um, what else? <laughs> Strength, courage, and wisdom. That's my Michael McDonald version of it. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> um, okay, I have some very specific things. Okay. I need to manifest about 20K. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, this sounds wild. This is not like the random 4K that I asked for and then randomly received. Or the random 2K that I asked for and then also randomly received. This is a 20K that is specifically for the infrastructure of the new blueprint brain trust. Jesus, so many things. Parlor, uh, newsletter, <laughs> brain trust. The new blueprint brain trust. We have been awarded a pretty significant contract to do some work. Only problem with that is that niggas don't really get their first real check until April. So I need to find an investor or a loan or grant or one of you wake and bake would be one nice is about to cash at me $20,000. Like I need that type of situation to make sure that this business can start on the right foot mm-hmm. uh, and I can get niggas paid as soon and as frequently as possible. Um, there's some niggas on the brain trust on, on the line right now. Y'all fine. Don't worry about it. The money will be there. Don't worry about it. I just want to <laughs> manifest the 20 K. So we make sure that we got the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we manifested. We needed a car and wanted to wake and bake with be one nights hooked us up. Shout out to them. Okay. Shout out to them. I don't know if they want to put their business out there. Right. But we appreciate that Lexus, okay? Mm-hmm. If it's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to pop up in a random luxury car. This is true. Yeah, we had the BMW for a Tallahassee. Had a BMW in Tallahassee. Had an Audi. Was broke down for a little while. I think I told you the story about how I bought the Audi to change the perception of me. And it worked. <laughs> it worked like a motherfucker. Um, and actually, I feel like the, the BMW was on some manifestation shit because that wasn't even intentional. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. We was going to go down there in a Versa. <laughs> it was not a Versa. It was a Hyundai. <laughs> we was going to go down there in a Corolla, nigga. <laughs> 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 Ended up rolling down in style. And it cost us less, less gas. We appreciate it. And that. we had to pay for the you know the upgrade. We had to pay for the upgrade. Yeah. Don't got to pay for the tolls or nothing. All yeah. that is on Turo. We appreciate that, Turo. Shout out to Turo. Shout out to our... <laughs> Are manifesting wake and bake with Bima Night. Mm-hmm. Anything else I want to manifest? Uh, and I want to get back to, I want this uh, courage of consistency because now that season four is coming to a close, the thing that we're going to have to do now is produce and put up these clips. I know that in one of the clips I said that the, the cure to this insecurity that I get from content creation, uh, the cure to that is abundant. So I definitely want to lean back on that abundance, get back to that confidence, get back to writing. We got a whole bunch of new blueprints that are already written up. We got a whole bunch of clips that are already ready to go. I just, you know, I just didn't have the the energy to do so, but now the season four is coming to a close. I'm manifesting that we have that energy and we have that consistency. Or as I like to say in the words of NDRE, strength, courage, and wisdom. What are, what are the people manifesting? I want to know the manifestations, y'all. Definitely put your manifestations into the chat. This is your final blunt manifestation of season four, but it's not the last manifestation in your life, baby. What's up? Uh, it's about the, the debate team, but I'll say that afterwards. Okay. Um, Drew says, I manifest coaching this team goes well. 
Last time I worked with kids, it wasn't a good experience, but I want to give back to the community and help the little ones. Okay, good. And then he also says, These kids be hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very altruistic task, but that shit is hard. Mm-hmm. Not as hard as live broadcasting, but that shit is hard. Well, actually, it might be way harder than live broadcasting. Yeah. Imagine being a live broadcasting teacher. Jesus. Oof. Was that a teacher or an observation? Damn. And then he also said, I manifest winning my competition in December. Nice. Hands. I want to do a lot, like host a block party of local black talent in Dallas. That's hey, let bothering. us know. Yeah, that's bothering. We can pull up. And then he said, um, talking about the debate team, that's not what happened. She got on stage, Whatever. said the wrong opening, realized it, and broke down crying. That's exactly what the fuck happened. <laughs> she did not have the emotional maturity to say, hey, I have stage fright. She didn't. <laughs> she did not say that. She did not say that. I think she said that after we... After we got back to slow, we just were staring at her like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? This is our time. Anyway. <laughs> another story for another time. Another story for another time. Okay, sweetheart. In season four, I feel like we've done a really good job capturing the thesis of what are we supposed to do with this thing called black? Mm-hmm. Right? We've been talking about that, man. I wanted to be very, especially in the beginning of the season, I wanted to be very intentional about um, I wanted to be very intentional about exploring black from white. Mm-hmm. If we can get rid of white, then maybe we can understand the placement of black as a culture after we have been separated from marginalization, oppression, et cetera, et cetera. Right? What are we once you take away the oppression and shit? Are we still good? Are we still strong? Are we are we talented? The Tony Morrison point, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a question that you and I have been asking since season zero, which is basically, what are we supposed to do with these niggas with money? And sweetheart, um, when we were watching Killers of the Flower Moon, and we talked about this on the last Thursday show that we did, which was like three weeks ago, and we tried not to, to break into the topic because I feel like I wanted to break into this topic a little bit more. Um, we we're trying to get rid of race by getting rid of white and then finding a cultural place for black. So when we ask the question, what are we supposed to do with niggas with money? How come you and I didn't take that same approach? We attacked the niggas with money instead of the niggas without money. I think the question we should have been asking, sweetheart, the more powerful question is, what are we supposed to do with niggas without money? What do you mean? I asked you this before. We talked about this off camera, but like, who taught us that being poor was a bad thing. Now, Bima, what? What the fuck? What you mean? Okay, yeah. Redlining, environmental justice, lack of capital, uh, inequity in education, fucking environmental hazards. Okay, all those things are involved in the thing that we call poverty. Well, let me ask you a question, sweetheart. And We talked about this on the road. When you see a farmer what class do you put that farmer in your head? Do you put him with the elite wealthy class? Do you put him in middle class? Or is this person seen to be more of the poverty class? I mean, my answer is different, but I know, I, yeah. Your answer is different, but like, right. Most when people. When we see farmers, if you see a farmer, mm-hmm. fucking overalls, no shirt, straw in mouth, on a tractor, what are your thoughts? I know most people don't think of this person as elite, mm-hmm. but the farmer is a self-sustainable entrepreneur right. that we have tagged with 
the aesthetics of poverty. So if you see somebody living out in the middle of nowhere on a <laughs> in a house that's not big on a piece of land and they're self-sustaining by eating the food that they grow, the tags that we see in media, the sag, the tags that we see in society say that this person is of the poverty class. Right? I'm saying this to say I'm poor. Later, well, I'm not gonna put that on later house. I'm poor. <laughs> uh, and there are factors of poverty that are forced upon me, but I don't look poor. Right. I got on velvet and a new gold chain right now. I don't look poor. But the facts of the matter is, according to uh, the U.S. Treasury Department, according to the Economics Department, according to the United States government, the money that I make puts me in the poverty class. And therefore, I am tagged with all the things poverty. Right? I'm tagged with being lazy, uneducated, unmotivated, um, a laborer. I know no cap. I should don't need to be in a, a, a union. Like this is my tag as an individual, as someone who has been categorized as poor. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make in this, in this conversation, I want to make a very distinct, uh, 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 I want to make a very uh, vivid distinction between the things that are placed on poor people, like environmental inequities, education, uh, lack of value, societal societal issues, homelessness. I want to I want to separate those things, right? This for a moment if you can just take those things out of the conversation. Even when you take those things out of the conversation, there is still a stigma on people who don't have money. Yeah. Why? Who taught us that? Play the uh, flowers of the killer moon clip. Yeah, white man money. When this money started coming, we should have known it came with something else because it's white man's money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not what we were taught coming down Missouri, mm-hmm. Arkansas, and Kansas. Yeah. What has come to our reservation that doesn't belong here, and it's them? Mm-hmm. They're like buzzards circling our people. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna yeah. pick us body clean. Yeah. Leave nothing. Ready? This is a clip from Kills of the Flower Moon. If you have not seen Kills of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese, I'm pretty sure the indigenous folks find something wrong with it in the same way that I found something wrong with Soul and Pixar. And that's not to diminish. That's actually to say that there are probably some, not probably, there are some cultural nuances that weren't covered in the movie. Outside of those cultural nuances, this movie is phenomenal. Yeah. Because for the first time ever, I've seen wealthy indigenous people. Mm Mm-hmm. During this time, the Osage Nation were the most wealthy people on the planet. And this movie does a great job showing how white people were subservient to them. They were their servants. They were their cooks. They were their butlers. They were their drivers. They were everything to support these Osage people until systematically they started killing them off and taking their oil money. And there's a particular clip in this movie, the movie, the clip that we just saw, in which the elders have a meeting uh oh, Geronimo here talking about France for <laughs> Um, um, the elders had a meeting, 
And in the meeting, one part I couldn't find is they say, who taught us this good life? Right. Before we had this money, we were self-sustainable on our own land. We had our own gods. We had our own community and we lived in abundance. And then we came here and they thrust this money, this economic conversation on us and we became the most wealthy and then they killed us for it. So who taught them this good life? Who taught them to buy cars? Who taught them to get furs? Who taught them to have subservient white people by the side so they can add to the economy of the area? Who taught them this good life? So when I think about the question of what do we do with niggas with money, I feel like I have been asking the wrong question. What are we supposed to do with niggas without money? Because what we have been doing to niggas without money is we've been demonizing them. We've been minimizing them. We've been marginalizing them. We've been oppressing them. We've been discounting their voices because they haven't been able to have the financial uh, uh, success to be able to have a bigger voice. On a call last night with the Lex the less talk bruh uh it, it was reminded of me that under patriarchy men really think that their value is in their value right who taught us that so yes we should be raging against inequitable education we should be raging against environmental injustice we should be raging against redlining because all of these institutions thrust in the uh, inequitable economics onto the poverty class. But at the same way that we should be raging against them, we should stop raging against individuals who are shopping at Aldi. We should stop raving, uh, raging against individuals who wear fake jewelry. We should stop appreciating the aesthetic of money mm -hmm. as I got my velvet and new gold on. What are we supposed to do with niggas without money? The same thing you do with niggas with money. What are your thoughts, sweetheart? What are your thoughts? Uh, Went you, too far? I think you bring up a, a great point. Yeah, because we have, what's the word? Um, propped up or, right. Mm -hmm. We had, you know what's a great example from this season? What? That damn dentist. Y'all remember the yeah. dentist who, um, who put up a list of rules to their black women customers. It was a black woman dentist. Was it a black woman dentist? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was. It was a black dentist? Yeah. It was a black dentist who put up a sign that says, you cannot wear uh, bonnets to the dentist's office. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking like, a bonnet is for protection. You're trying to protect your hair from environmental hazards. Mm -hmm. At the dentist, you're getting your teeth clean, which really means the dentist is a maintenance man. But for some reason, because we put doctor and gave that nigga $250,000 a year, <laughs> like we respect his opinion more, nigga? Right. You, you don't respect else. the maintenance man that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> when a dude come in, when, you, when people are sweeping up in the hallways, you don't look at them like dentists. Right. And we don't pay them like dentists, but they doing the same thing. Why? Because you, you learned a little more about teeth. I'm supposed to respect you at a different level. Nigga, you gonna get this bonnet. I don't want no black in my hair. Fuck you. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like um, we're getting to a point where people are starting to realize that people with money shouldn't necessarily be glamorized or aspired to be like. Yeah. Because 
That shit doesn't matter at the end of the day. Same thing with like celebrity culture and. Well, hold on now. What's up? It doesn't matter in the sense of like an aspirational, ethical, moral question. Yeah. But when it comes to going to the grocery store, it does matter. Okay. When it comes to uh, political influence, it definitely matters. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the frivolous things. Talk to me more. Talk to me more about these frivolous things. Like the, like I was saying with celebrity culture, like the mansions, the fancy cars, you know, all that shit. Like, and also during the pandemic, a lot of people turned away from the things that celebrities were trying to glamorize mm. because they felt like it was tone deaf. Like, um, mm. like Kylie Jenner taking a private jet. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It is tone deaf. Huh? Interesting. We got any comments, sweetheart? I know we do. Yeah. I hope so. This um, is a good one. Owen says, they come to your communities, take your resources, and sell them back to you at a price you can't afford, man, and blame you for not having money when the real thing of value was the resources of your land. Exactly. And then he said, not far enough. Keep exploring this pathway of thinking. Give me an example. Owen. You have the comments? That's it so far. And then Geronimo said, you're in your this morning. <laughs> I'm approaching violence. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Okay. One other thing. Okay. So that's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. We've been asking the question, "What are we supposed to do with niggas with money?" I also wanna, I wanna begin asking the question, "What are we supposed to do with niggas without money? <laughs> How do we activate them?" Mm-hmm. Or as we talked at the beginning of the season, I put out the new blueprint theory, the talented ninetieth. I feel like ninety percent of our people are already equipped with the tools, resources to liberate themselves. They have just been socialized into thinking that those resources are not actually of themselves. To what Owen said, they've been th- they've been taught to realize, they've been taught they they've been socialized to think that their natural resources are the things that are the least valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Therefore, let me go outside of my community and bring things in here and then sell the things that are actually naturally important to me. Right. Um love that. Love that. Second thing though, sweetheart. Um speaking about it matters. I, we don't talk about sports much on this show, which is fine, because uh, I feel like sports is a very divisive conversation. Uh, but there is a show that has been taking the sports landscape by storm, and I have been a fan of this show. Uh, and that's, it is what it is with Cameron and Mace. In season three, we might have talked about it, but I definitely remember when I was doing research for Superman, uh, there was a conversation happening in sports media called New Media. Mm-hmm. in which athletes uh, and non-journalistic people were controlling the narrative of what's happening in sports. ESPN is no longer the monopoly monolith of how we talk about sports journalism. And it's not even ESPN and FS1. It's ESPN. It's the Stephen A. Show. It's uh, uh, it's the Dan Lebertard Show. It's Pat McAfee. It's the show with Gilbert Arenas. It's the show with Paul George. It's the show with Draymond Green. It's I Am Athlete. It's all these different ways that we can investigate athletes and athletics divorced of this traditional media. And so in this time, Cameron and Mace, who are two hip-hop people who often talk about sports. Hip-hop is often kind of like a cousin to sports. We're married in that, in that particular way. We. Um, 
Kimron and Mace have this show. It is what it is. And outside of the semi-revolutionary new media format of sports journalism, the thing that Cameron and Mace have brought back to the forefront of black culture is pause. No homo. A verbal indication to let you know that I am not interested in other men sexually. Regardless of my Freudian language, regardless of my sexual in the window that may be directed towards you, I have to say pause to let you know that I'm not really gay. And on one hand, I have been key keying, sweetheart. You didn't see me on the couch. Mm-hmm. I have been key keying every time Cameron says, that's wow, whoa, wow. Key keying. Um, but then, but then Dwight Howard has been accused of sexual assault with another man. Um, and it is what it is, had a statement, Mace particularly. And I'll be honest with you, sweetheart, I've been listening to the statement over and over again, and I've said this before, sometimes the language of the people who have been doing the work kind of sounds like the language of the people who are also anti the work. Hmm. Play the clip of Mace and Cameron, please. Dwight, Dwight, Dwight. <laughs> now, this this is where I'm going to start. Before I talk about Dwight, before we talk about your disclaimers, your disclaimers, please. Why? Right. Where is he going? I don't know. We got a disclaimer. This was this. Your disclaimers is crazy. Be careful. <laughs> Yo, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We got to stop telling people, I don't care what you do on your own time. Because <laughs> we do care. We Cam, Cam is lying if he tell you. He, yo, I, I don't care what you do on your own time. And then stat follows up. And women, you got to stop. For real, put the camera on me. For real. We got to stop telling niggas what you do in your own personal time has nothing to do with me. It does, my nigga. If you, if you call, come on, man. Yeah, it, it does matter. It does matter. That those are the lies that are going on in society. We tell people it don't matter, but behind your back it matters. Yeah. And that's what we gotta first oh, start off by saying. Like you hear you hear stats saying this, because what people do in their bedroom, that's between them. <laughs> Not necessarily true, but I understand. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Because you're telling them it don't matter. But then it does matter. And anybody watching this knows it does matter. Even to people that participate, it matters. Because people will say, oh, it don't matter. And as soon as they find out, they out they're outing them. So it matters. You know, and when it comes down to making money off the story, it matters. When it comes down to who dating you is going to matter. 
when it comes down to it, we're gonna look at Cam. But it's good to camera on Cam. When it comes down to if you're gonna be in the locker room with them, it matters. Because there's about 30 teams that did not sign Dwight Howard because it matters. So let, let's dispel that. So I want to remind you that it is what it is, is a show who is quite popular for intentionally trying to separate themselves from homosexual behavior. I don't want to call them homophobic, but uh, also remember that Mace is former preacher within the Christian. What's up, sweetheart? Okay, I'm gonna stop, but I just it's back. We good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, want to remind you. So, while these individuals are doing as much as they can to separate themselves from homosexual activity, also want to remind you that can't not Cam that Mace is coming directly from the black church, very conservative, very. Not pro-gay. Again, don't want to necessarily say, don't want to necessarily say, want to say homophobic, but. Um, and here Mace is saying that it does matter. And, and Mace is 100% correct. It does matter. It absolutely matters that Dwight Howard, in he, has not identified himself as gay, but uh, participates in homosexual activity. Yeah. And Dwight Howard is currently not in the league. And I watched them highlights of him playing in Puerto Rico and across seas. And I listened to some commentators talk about why Dwight Howard is not in the league. And they say because his pick and roll defense isn't that great. But then Dwight Howard is one of the greatest centers to one of the greatest defensive centers to play the game. So it's just hard to imagine that he's had such a decline over the years. But then this situation comes out that he actually is involved in homosexual activity. And then you start to wonder, does that matter? Of course it matters. It always matters. The difference, though, between me and it is what it is is that to me, throwing away it doesn't matter actually brings back the humanity of the situation. Mm -hmm. When you begin to deny someone's entire or parts of people's identity, you're not doing them a favor. You're marginalizing them. You're oppressing them. You're telling them that that part of your identity doesn't exist to me. Mm -hmm. Because if it did exist, maybe... I wouldn't want to be as far from it as possible. But what we need to get to the point is, is that it does matter. You are gay. You do involve yourself in homosexual activity. And it doesn't affect your job. It doesn't affect your character. It doesn't affect your morals. It doesn't make you less smart. It doesn't make you more dumb. It doesn't make you uh, more apt to crime. It doesn't make you a pedophile. None of that. Ironically, If you involve yourself in homosexual activity, if you are gay, if you are queer, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I see what you did there. (laughs) I see what you did there. We got any thoughts? Oh, I put this on the thing that I've been thinking about wrongly because I've just been key-keying at the pause thing. And that's how, there's one thing I learned from sexual assault culture, right? 
in that pyramid they showed during the Me Too era, right? The pyramid at the top of the pyramid is the worst sexual assault crime you can have, right? But at the base of the pyramid, one of the very bottom things is locker room talk. Hmm. How the fuck is locker room talk connect to the big R? How? Because you are inviting an environment that willingly discards someone else's identity. When you say it doesn't matter, that's like somebody, it's like if you walk up to somebody and say, man, I got pulled over by the cops. I think it's because I'm black. And somebody said to you, oh, that don't matter. Yeah. Your blackness don't matter in that situation. Man, I'm having a hard time buying a house. Ah, your blackness don't matter in that situation. Man, I'm having a hard time wearing my natural hair to work. I ain't got nothing with you doing black. Yeah. It's just because you ugly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's why I put that on the I by kikiing and laughing and maybe even sharing a few posts and even like allowing the thought process. Maybe, maybe I'm inviting that type of disallowance in other people's uh, uh, lifestyle. I have, I have a friend of mine that I'm quite sure is gay or queer. But ha- and I think this person has come out to everyone around me, but has not come out to me. And I keep thinking, what am I doing that doesn't make this person feel safe that they could come out to me? When they come out to me, it'd be one of the happiest days of my life. I just want to hear it. I just want to hear it, and I want to hear him say, "I want to be happy with another person," instead of constantly being alone and just lying in my face. I feel like he came out to everybody else. So what am I doing? Am I am I pausing? Am I locker room talking? What are you doing? Are you pausing? Are you locker room talking? Are you disallowing people's identities without even knowing it? Just something to investigate. What are your thoughts, we are? That is that's interesting though about. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> we got any comments? No, I mean we have a few, but it was about the, the Osage. You want to read them all now? You want me to? Uh, let's wait till we get the burning question of the road. So keep those okay. questions in mind. Keep those comments in mind. Okay. Uh, and then because we are because we're running on time, that's what it is. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about, put up the put up the picture of me and Barrio. As this Israel-Palestine thing happens, as we are coming to two terms removed uh, from Barack Obama, mm-hmm. uh, the people that, the people can't see, but if we turn the camera around, I have this big portrait of Barack Obama right like in front of me is a TV. On this side is another Jada portrait. In between those two things is a classy photo with me and a lady at the house. We look nice in that picture, too. <laughs> um, and then I have this big portrait of Barack Obama that says change can happen. And it's, it's not even like, you know, a paper in a frame. It's like... No, it's like a piece of wood. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> it's a heavy piece of art. Uh, in this picture that you see... Oh, and then we just had the 20-year, 15-year anniversary of the... Mm-hmm. Uh, of the Barack Obama campaign in which if you looked on like social media, you see anybody who's politically involved or anybody who was close to politically involved 
We all have connections to Barack Obama. I marched with him. I worked on the campaign. I volunteered. I was 17 in the office. 18 first vote. It was crazy on campus when I voted for him. Like There are so many connections to Barack Obama. And I have been thinking about Barack. It was very interesting being a political science student while Barack Obama was being elected president. <laughs> because in the political science department, there was a split. There was a split and we learned this kind of like on the first day of Intro to Poli Sci, which when it comes to leadership, there is a, uh, we have representative leadership and then we have like altruistic leadership. And then under philosophy, if you look at Socrates, is it Socrates? Socrates, was it Socrates or Aristotle? One of them niggas, it was Aristotle because it's the Aristotle king. So there's like the philosopher's king, there is an ideal leader who was married to philosophy and to the concepts of the country or the governor, right? And so... When I was in school, I fell on the line that I think it is more important to have a black man be president than it is more important to elect a president whose policies I agree with. I thought in when I was in college, I thought it was more important to elect a black president rather to elect a policy president whose uh, whose politics I agree with. I, and then when I voted for him again, regardless of what he did in the White House, he was going to get my vote because he was black. But when I turned on the media and when I went to certain classes, people were outright trashing that idea. Oh, you only voted for him because he's black. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I voted for him. <laughs> I voted for him because he's black, because I feel like this country needs to see a black man as president. And for eight years, we saw a black man be the most powerful person in the country Passively on television. And that has so much an effect of, of, on the country that we see politicians now, 15 years later, celebrating their time as 17-year-olds on that campaign trail. Marcus Batchelor is running for city council directly from the influence of Barack Obama, regardless of his politics. That nigga made it look possible. Yeah. Until, and until this very minute, like right now, I still feel like the optics of seeing that black man on president outweighs anything he could have done. That's fair. But that minute has passed, sweetheart. I am not to the point where I feel like I shouldn't have voted for Barack Obama, but I am to the point where I am thinking beyond just the representation of what he's done. Now that this Palestine, Israel, Hamas war thing is happening and we are examining uh, we are examining American colonialism we are examining global imperialism we are seeing genocide happen in person it's making me examine the foreign policies of our foreign president and we and then you know the one thing that I have constantly ignored although all of the things that I just said positively about Barack Obama I was going to vote for him regardless of his policies one of those policies was killing uh, Gaddafi yeah most popular leader in modern African history mm -hmm. was going to start the African currency and probably bring Africa, probably bring Africa. And I mean that not just, not in the American way of saying the continent as a country, I mean as the entire continent, probably bring Africa into a Japan moment where they radically modernize over like 20 years and somehow become the leaders of technology and wealth. This was a possibility that Barack Obama may have drone striked from his house in Northeast. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, 
starting to look at those things a little differently. And I saw, and one thing that I am investigating again is Jeremiah Wright. Play this clip, sweetheart. Because in 2007, 2008, when Barack Obama separated ties with the man who baptized his children, whose church he paid ties to, who married him and Michelle, when he separated from himself, I thought, oh, Barack's got to do that so he can be president. Again, what did I say? I think the optics of him being president outweighed any other policy he could have voted for, policy he could have uphold. But when you start getting into the culture structure, ooh, the culture structure, write that down. When you start getting into the culture structure, I got something for you, Africana. What's up? What's up? Hold on. When you start getting into the culture structure, when you start getting into what the king is talking about, when you start getting beyond policy, when you separate from your mans, not because he did something wild. <laughs> I am pro separate from your mans because he did something wild. Get that nigga the fuck out of here. But because of an ideological difference that you were one celebrating, ooh. <laughs> What's the definition of boot licking? Play the clip. <laughs> They came to do to us. It doesn't make them right. But what they perceive is we've been doing the same thing now for a long time in various parts of the world. We've been doing the same thing around yeah, the world? Been, yeah, we've been, you know, the, you want a list of the countries that we've bombed and invaded over the last 25 years? What? Some of the things that we have done in the firm, honest belief that we are advancing the cause of justice, human rights, and freedom and all of that are not perceived that way by the people that we've bombed. I offer you Panama. I give you Haiti. Take Cambodia. What about Iraq? All right, well, a lot to discuss with those uh, countries. I heard Ambassador Peck on an interview yesterday. Did anybody else see him or hear him? He was on Fox News. This is a white man, and he was upsetting the Fox News commentators to no end. He pointed out, you see him, John, a white man, he pointed out an ambassador. That what Malcolm X said when he got silenced by Elijah Muhammad was in fact true. America's chickens are coming home to roost. We took this country by terror away from the Sioux, the Apache, the Arawak, the Comanche, the Arapaho, the Navajo. Terrorism. We took Africans from their country to build our way of ease and kept them enslaved and living in fear. Terrorism. We bombed Grenada and killed innocent civilians, babies, non-military personnel. We bombed the black civilian community of Panama with stealth bombers and killed unarmed teenagers and toddlers, pregnant mothers and hardworking fathers. We bombed Gaddafi's home and killed his child. Blessed are they who bash your children head against a rock. We bombed Iraq. We killed unarmed civilians trying to make a living. We bombed a plant in Sudan to pay back for the attack on our embassy. Killed hundreds of hard-working people, mothers and fathers who left home to go that day not knowing that they never get back home. We bombed Hiroshima. We bombed Nagasaki. And we nuked far more than the thousands in New York and the Pentagon. And we never batted an eye. 
kids playing in the playground, mothers picking up children after school, civilians, not soldiers, people just trying to make it day by day. We have supported state terrorism against the Palestinians and black South Africans, and now we are indignant because the stuff we have done overseas is now brought right back into our own front yards. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred, and terrorism begets terrorism. A white ambassador said that, y'all, not, not a black militant, not a reverend who preaches about racism, an ambassador whose eyes are wide open and who's trying to get us to wake up and move away from this dangerous precipice upon which we are now poised. The ambassador said the people that we are wounded don't have the military capability we have, but they do have individuals who are willing to die and to take thousands with them, and we need to come to grips with that. When I was a, when I was a young boy, and I was definitely in the church, in the Baptist church, I, uh, uh, in listening to my preachers and reading the Bible myself, I had made the self-assessment that I think God is the God of the oppressed. And I remember when we moved to Tallahassee and we went to a white church one time, uh, me and my mom was kind of looking at him like, huh, this ain't weird. Yeah, it is different. <laughs> um, and so Jeremiah Wright has been, I, I didn't know Jeremiah Wright at 13, but Jeremiah Wright has been described as a black Christian who teaches the that God is God is the of the oppressed, and so my rethinking of the situation. If Jeremiah Wright is saying these types of truths, these types of truths, and I'm a Malcolm X type nigga, mm -hmm. damn, what a hypocrite I was to vote for Barack Obama but be a Malcolm X ass nigga, and then to learn and also not maybe learn to maybe to realize now that Barack Obama separated himself from this real ass nigga shit. And maybe in an alternate, you know, timeline or universe, Barack Obama was Jeremiah Wright's president and not the president that we got. Yeah. And so I've been reconsidering that. I've been rethinking that. Maybe I was wrong. Have I gotten to the place where I think we shouldn't have voted for Barack Obama? No. I don't think most of you niggas are there. Maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm not that type of revolutionary yet. We'll get there. What are your thoughts, y'all? <laughs> things were said <laughs> yeah he did say a lot of jeremiah Wright said a lot of things yeah you said a lot of things this is this is very this is in 2001 oh okay after 9 11 it's yeah. not too many months after uh september yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not too many months so this shit was still kind of fresh yeah okay i wonder if they was playing baseball again yet you know what i mean man probably not probably not <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i i wasn't even you weren't able to vote? I'm sorry. Yeah, right. So I can't really speak to that aspect. But it, it is hard to, I guess, confront the truth, but mm -hmm. it's definitely necessary because. <laughs> Here's the second half of that. So while well, I just described that uh, Barack Obama did some questionable things during his presidency, and now that he's in the culture structure, some things that I definitely disagree with, uh, during his presidency or leading up to his presidency. Um, while I'm in the culture structure, and I know death and war uh, are, are very gigantic things, but the thing I actually think I'm most mad at Barack about 
is that he got me to like him. And at 18, voting for my first president, it made me think, oh, I'm supposed to like my president. I'm supposed to like the person who I'm voting to get this job. Mm -hmm. And I think that mindset reverberates through anyone who voted for the first time on Barack Obama, that you got a charismatic, good-looking, young, personable president, generally for everybody. Mm -hmm. Even McCain was like, that's a good man. We just disagree on politics. There are not a lot of people who didn't vote for Trump who saying, that's a good man. We just disagree on politics. (laughs) I'm wondering if he's the blame for my socialization, my social condition, to make us think that we got to like the nigga we voting for. I would almost rather... He had just gone with Jeremiah Wright and people just liked him less. Mm-hmm. Then we would just known, oh, I, well, at least I would have known, oh, you don't like the nigga you're supposed to vote for. Oh, you know what I think it is? What's up? It's because he was black. He had to be likable. He had to be likable? He had to be likable. So yeah. when I run for president, you ain't going to like shit about me. <laughs> so when Mitch says he putting the first thousand up for the mayor campaign, you ain't going to like shit about me. <laughs> I'm smoking blunts. I'm not wearing suits. I might come with some crust in the eye. If my man can show up to Senate looking like an asshole, <laughs> looking like a raggedy, loose-clothed asshole, Didn't he have flip, uh, with flip-flops and yeah. socks on and cargo shorts and yesterday's hoodie. We not Y'all know what I mean by yesterday's hoodie. That's not a brand. I mean a hoodie you wore yesterday and it's a little loose still. Oh, you're not going to... New blueprint. You're not going to like me. <laughs> Let's get to some comments and then, because uh, it's, it's the season four for now, we'll be going a little long. That's all right, though. Season four! <laughs> I'm almost out. I'm giving the people everything I got. I will not have a voice after today's show. Okay, should I start from this topic? Start from the, start from the top. Because the topic is I got three things wrong. Then I gave three examples. Okay. That's how, I'm, uh, that's how I did it in my head. Yeah, go back. Okay, Kendall said, I just got back from Italy, and I thought it was refreshing that people put more value on what they did than the amount of money they made from those things. Study the, uh, in that same vein, studied a, uh, a YouTube creator named Nima Tang, and that was one of the things that jumped out to me when I was watching her videos. She said when she came to America, she was so surprised that people define beauty by what you put on your face and not the quality of person that you are. Right. So it doesn't surprise me. Kendall, you look good in Italy, too. You look good in Venice, man. That shit look nice. You see the pictures? No, I haven't seen them yet. Oh, yeah, man. You look nice, man. You know you know what they going to do. You know how they, you know how Kendall going to do. Oh, I'm yeah. just not going to Venice with right, my right. phone. Right. <laughs> 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 right. No, no. You look good, man. Um, but I am I am not surprised that the people of Venice are like, oh, how do you how do you add to society? I think Camera Live stopped. Yeah. Uh, how do you add to society? How do you... Uh, how do you act as a member of community, not how much money do you have? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I like that. Um, I like that. Owen said, we begin to value the way they survive without money. We think without money means death, but they still survive. You poor and I'm poor, but somehow, oh, well, that's one comment. Okay, for sure. And then the other one is, you poor and I'm poor, but somehow we still produce things of value in, in mass for the masses that get consumed with vigor. Yeah. Scarcity is a um, capitalistic Visage. 
Are we back? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, scarcity is a capitalistic visage. It is very, when I think about the times where I'm most poor in my life, and then I think about the bills I had at the time, I'm like, how did I pay that? Yeah. <laughs> how did I do that? How was I surviving? <laughs> how was I surviving? How was I eating every day? Right, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. You know? Nico says, Mace just projecting. He'd been clowned repeatedly over the years for following what he wanted to do and continually reverting back to general acceptance. Sounds like trauma to me. <laughs> <laughs> it matters. <laughs> <laughs> he also said, Mace is trying hard as hell to be accepted for real, so he seems susceptible to conservative values slash expectations. Then he says, I'm... Sex pref oh sex preference blind. I don't see the gayness. LMAO. Read the second comment. Okay. Uh Mace is trying hard as hell to be accepted for real, so he seems susceptible to conservative values and expectations. To to be accepted is to be susceptible of conservative values and expectations. Season five. <laughs> Season five, because niggas is really conservative. Keep going. Um, we know this. You know this. Yeah. I know this. We all know this. Mm -hmm. But somehow we are liberals and progressives. Uh, he says. Also, my gay friends say pause more than anyone because it is funny. And then shrug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Owen says, "Who presents as agreeing with their political ideals?" that actually has a chance of winning an election and impacting change in the ways you would like to see. What was the first two words of that statement? Who presents? Oh, nobody. <laughs> nobody. And that's why I feel like it is... <laughs> we watch Jury Duty. Mm -hmm. If you haven't watched Jury Duty on... We went off again. I guess the camera tied. Uh, if you haven't watched Jury Duty on Amazon Prime, which is on Freebie or on Bootleg, which I... Highly recommend. Uh, they do like this Truman Sto Show style uh, jury duty, which is one dude doesn't know what's going on, but then they have a whole bunch of actors around him who do know what's going on. Anyway, some of the toughest decisions they have to make in the early of jury duty is figuring out what they're going to eat. Yeah. 12 people want 13 different things, and you think a nation can agree to like one person? Right. We all don't like The Rock. I just saw some rock hate uh, the other day. Like, damn, we don't like The Rock? <laughs> it's not unanimous on The Rock? <laughs> I saw a comment that said The Rock always trying to hide he black. And I'm like, who don't like The Rock? <laughs> uh, baby girl, Canary Yellow, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you come for me and my daddy come for you. And he don't come alone. He gonna bring my uncle too. She's seven years old. Yeah. Freestyling. Mm -hmm. I'm reading the comments. She ain't write that shit. Damn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we can't good. all agree on Canary Yellow. Right. That's a seven year old. That's a seven year old girl rapping with yellow glasses on. Right. She sounds seven with a seven year old lisp, and with somebody in the comment like she ain't that tight. And we all going to agree on one nigga as president. This is what I'm saying. This is how Barack has set us up. 
Everybody's like, oh man, change could happen. He black, he cool, he smoked cigarettes. He got a black wife. Man, I pretty much like him, except for the hard races. Right. Now we got an old ass nigga <laughs> versus a fucking criminal, and the nation can't decide who to vote for. <laughs> the old man, obviously. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Don't know. Um. I blame Barack. <laughs> I'm blaming Barack for leaving Jeremiah Wright. Because had he just told the white folks, you know I'm really black, right? You know, I'm not like just the skin, like this nigga baptized my kids. Like, no, I'd have been in his house. We kicked the good uh, China out just for the preacher. He the preacher. No, I fuck with Jeremiah Wright. Get over it. If he had just told niggas that, I don't think the backlash would have been Trump. Right. I think we just got a regular white man. This nigga over here tripping. <laughs> don't you want? Don't you want Pete Buttigieg or whatever the fuck it is? God damn! <laughs> I blame Barack. I blame Barack. Um, oh, it says Def Comedy Jam bongos going crazy in between the points being oh. made. <laughs> <laughs> and season one, we was actually on the drum. I used to have a drum from time to time. Oh, shout out to the drum. Shout out to the drum. I had to put a roach hotel in there last night. That shit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm not supposed to put our business out there. We in the ghetto. Keep going, sweetheart. <laughs> Geronimo said, this is why I laugh when people complain about the southern border. What are we talking about? Keep going, baby. Okay. Um, and it says, the same argument can be made for Bill Clinton. Black people love Clinton because he was, quote, unquote, cool and played the saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show. Right. Meanwhile, this nigga got the fucking crime bill, locked all our goddamn right. uncles and OGs up. But we like, go ahead. Right. He our first black president. <sighs> crazy. Cra- he our first black president. That's crazy. Our kids gonna ask us questions. Right. Didn't y'all say Bill uh, Clinton was the first black president? Huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, <laughs> Geronimo says, and then when, when he got jammed up on the Monica Lewinsky scandal, we loved him even more. SMH, LOL. <laughs> It's true. Shit, though. That's why. It's true. <laughs> he did. He did get jammed up. Maybe because niggas be getting jammed up. What's he supposed to do? <laughs> what I'm supposed to do, man? <laughs> what you want me to say? And then Kendall said, This is why I don't vote LOL. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> also a choice. Right. <laughs> also a choice. I blame Barack. God ghetto damn it. Ghetto out here. Now the country literally confused. <laughs> Polls every day. They neck and neck. Trump winning. How? I have not heard. A campaign stance from Donald Trump yet. <laughs> I ain't heard no platform. I don't know his tax situation. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do with foreign policy. I don't know his approach to education. I don't know none of that shit. And somehow, this old ass nigga who actually has been getting shit done, we don't know. We don't know. Because we don't like him. So what? <laughs> Damn it, Barack. <laughs> John Farouch. His voice almost gone. <laughs> I'm pushing it. Okay. Um, what was your favorite moment of the season? My favorite moment from this season? Yeah. Why the first moment that popped in my head when the maintenance man came? <laughs> Why that's the first thing that popped in my head when the maintenance man came? Let's see here. I'm gonna let's see. Let's scroll through. 
because uh, I have a document here that has all of our topics from season all of 2023, actually. Um, let's see here. I, I like our new process of voting for the Paul Rosen Negro of the Week. We have nominees, and then we vote for our final person. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having a Paul Rosen Negro of the Year, but we'll put that into the – we'll get there. Um, early parts of the season, I really enjoyed uh, destroying whiteness. And when we get to clip season, I think that'll kind of reinvigorate that. That'll be fun. Um, and then what's another moment that I appreciate? Um, You know, we've come up with some pretty good new blueprints this this season. Uh, some uh, the talented ninety eight blueprint was a pretty interesting new blueprint. I really appreciated that. Uh, oh, oh, um, you know what was fun as hell? What was super fun was uh, using some of these research tactics and methodologies that I learned while sleeping with Superman and using them directly for the show. Uh, it has been my favorite season because, you know, the last three seasons, I feel like we were doing the show on accident. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing the show on accident. Like, we're doing it from the phone. We were doing it vertical. We weren't doing clips. We weren't interested in the quality of the video. We weren't interested in the... In the um, what you call it? The uh, oh gosh, the audio quality of the of the video is all as well. But then somewhere in the middle of season four, in which you'll probably see through the clips, we see. Uh, I have to. I have a stronger interest in making this a more visually appealing show. I like the idea that we're on YouTube more uh, than any other platform. Uh, you know, we try to do the Instagram thing, but you know. It is what it is again. <laughs> you feel me? So yeah, those are some of my um, favorite parts from this season. I'd be interested to hear from the people though. Like, what do the people think are our best parts of this season? Are um, what we can do though. And I appreciate the burning question, though, sweetheart. What we can do though, leave that comment. Maybe go to some uh maybe go to some comments back in some other videos, share a friend with share a friend. But you know what that means. It means we are about to uh about to close the show up, y'all. So we appreciate y'all joining us for season four. I know that the video has gone out on us. The lady of the house, I think she had to take a, a phone call real quick. Seemed like it's an emergency. She ran away. So uh, we appreciate y'all for joining us for season four. As always, you can catch the instant replay right here on YouTube and X or on Facebook if you're into that thing. Um, I listen to us where you listen to podcasts. Definitely go tell Rochelle what's up. Tell her we appreciate the tell of this podcast. Tell Michael we said what's good. Go listen to Tone J. Go listen to Space. Go listen to uh, the Antisocial Social Club. Go check out my man Owen. Uh, go read the Washington and Former Bridge. Go listen to some podcasts uh, from us. Uh, don't go listen to the blue notes go subscribe to the new blueprint newsletter we appreciate y'all season four has been amazing we appreciate the support we appreciate the love we're gonna leave you with black boy joy as we always do 
Thank y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This thing would not be possible without y'all. So, Wicked Bay will be my nights. Take a stand. In the meantime, listen to WPFW on your time off. Try to keep your mind clear. Stay away from drama. I love y'all. Here's a black boy joy. Too bad you can't see me. That'd be great to see me. What a way to end the season with technical difficulties. Crazy. Oh, well. Hold on tight. Don't let this feeling slip away. Oh. City, yeah, happy, happy feelings. Break a babble in your mind. Don't, don't be amazed. Man. Find yourself. Learn your joys and pain. Live your voice and sing. Your voice. The sounds in your heart. Don't you worry about a thing. And don't forget your lyrics. This is a reminder of joy. Every time you hear it. Just listen to your word this joy. Smile. You can wear it. Contagious. Won't you share it? Wow.